0: Please open your Bibles to the book of Titus, the letter of Paul to Titus, chapter 3. Like us to consider one verse this afternoon, chapter 3, verse 7. We continue with our expository series through this book. We have journeyed on from chapter 1. We are almost finishing this book now. Uh, Today we will consider verse 7. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Then we will consider that one verse there. If you're there with me, hear the infallible word of God. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit whom he poured out on us richly through jesus christ our savior so that being justified by his grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life the saying is trustworthy and i want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in god may be careful to devote themselves to good works these things are excellent and profitable for people but avoid foolish controversies genealogies dissensions and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless as for the, for a person who starts up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him knowing that such a person is warped and sinful he is self-condemned when i send Atimas That is God's word. I'm going to pray. Then we will consider that one verse there. Our Heavenly Father. The one from whom all good gifts and all perfect gifts come from. We ask this afternoon that you may bless us with this gift of your word. We pray that you may be merciful to us. We ask that because we have ears you may help us to hear, that you may not leave this place unheard, that we would pay careful attention to your word as to a light shining in a dark place, revealed to us by your Son, O oh Father, your will for our salvation. By your word and by your spirit, do this, Lord, because this is the means. This, this is the only way. In your presence, Lord, now we come. We desire that you may illumine us. Make your face to shine on us, Lord. May your word be plain to us. Help us with everything that we are going to hear. And may the spirit of God use the word of God to reveal to us the son of God. Help me as I speak to these dear ones to to be clear, to be fearless, uh, to be plain and profound. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. children never choose where they will be born do they no they don't you for sure did not choose where you would be born who your parents would be who your siblings would be you were just born into your family now whether you have an inheritance or not it was completely out of your choice People are born in the poorest families in this world. Others are born in palaces. Some are born and their parents die. Others are, are born and they, and they live with their parents uh, until, they, until they see them die. Others are born into broken families. Now, you inherit what you get when you are born. And most people will never inherit anything. Only a few in this world become heirs to the throne. Only a few are born into presidents' families. The text that we'll be considering this afternoon grants that we are heirs. We are granted heirship, if you will. We have considered from verse 1 that uh, we, are to, we are to be faithful Christians. We are to be submissive to the rulers and authorities, living in, the submi- in submission to, to those that God has given authority. We are to be found doing good works. We have seen that we are to live at, be at peace with, with, with men, with those who we li- whom we live with, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, To be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. In other words, to live lives that are godly. Following our Lord faithfully. The Apostle has shown us that we were dead in our trespasses. We were sinners. We were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. We were passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another, he says. And then he tells us, he has now told us that God saved us. That it is God who saved us. He has displayed his goodness, his love, his kindness, his mercy, and he has saved us. He has saved us not because we are such good people. Eh? Verse 5. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. He says, he has saved us by his mercy. By the washing of regeneration, as we saw last week. Renewing us. Awakening us from our stupor. And renewing renewing our hearts. Giving us that heart of Uh, 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 flesh, helping us to bear fruit, to be sanctified. He has done all this through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the text that we'll be considering helps us to see that we, we, we have an heirship. We are heirs of God. Now the apostle has what he has done is he has told us of our former state and then he has told us of uh, the, the blessings that God grants and he is now going to tell us why God has done what he has done and what it results in. So what the apostle does here is not new in his epistles. He tells the saints that this is how you are. He begins by telling them how they were. He tells, he tells them this is what God has done for you and in you and then he tells them what they are awaiting for in the world to come. So he tells them how they were, what God has done for them and in them. And then he tells them, this is now what you are waiting for in the world to come. Listen to what he tells the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8 to 10. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And he's telling the the, the Thessalonians that they were idolaters. That's what they were. They were following idols. And then... What has god done he has caused them to turn to him to serve the living and true god and then thirdly they are now waiting for the return of the son the son of god to wait for his son from heaven whom god raised from the dead because he's the one who delivers us from the wrath to come now in in this letter that we are considering he writes to to titus if you, if you look at me, look look with me at uh, Titus 2 from verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. You see what he's saying there? He's saying that... Um, what were we? We were ungodly. We were worldly. We lacked self-control. But then the grace of God has appeared. This is what God has done for us and in us. He has given us His grace. And now we, we desire to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. And that's not, that's not the only thing. It's also that we are now waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is exactly what he does in the passage before us from verse 1 to verse 7. He tells us how we were, where we were, foolish and disobedient, uh, following our own passions. And then he tells us what God has done for us and in us. And then now in verse 7, he's going to tell us that now we are waiting for that blessed, blessed hope. We have hope of eternal life, as he's going to say so that here in verse 7 he's telling Titus that justification by grace grants airship justification by grace grants airship and that's that's what I've titled my sermon this afternoon there are two things that I'd like for you to see from this verse two things, number one that justification is by God's grace and number two that justification by grace grants airship whose simple truths Justification is by God's grace and then justification by grace grants heirship. Let's consider those verses, uh, sorry, those points from this verse. Number one, justification is by God's grace. Look with me at verse 7. The Bible says, so that being justified by His grace you may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The apostle gives here Two wonderful truths. And those truths are justification and grace. When we read that statement there, so that being justified by his grace, we should at least ask two questions. Number one, what is the meaning of justified? What does the word justified there mean? And number two, what is the meaning of grace? So you should ask those two questions what is the meaning of justified and what is the meaning of grace? If you know what those two things mean, if you understand what the Apostle is speaking of there, by getting the meaning, then you you know what he's saying. If you know what, what those two things are that he's speaking of there, then it becomes easy to understand what the Apostle is talking about. So when you know what justifi- just, justification is, or so justified, and when you know what uh, grace is, then it's, it becomes easy to understand what he's talking about. Now let me say here that it is not surprising to come across many who profess faith in Christ who say that they, they know Jesus and they believe him even but are completely unaware of what it means to be justified. Just as we saw last week that you have many who have never heard the word regeneration and they go to church. You also have many who have been to church countless times who have never heard the word justification then you have others who having been to church still do not know what grace is and even worse you have those who have now come up with with a completely different meaning for the word grace so as to suit their own ends now this may be their fault for not taking seriously the things of God or it may be the preacher's fault for not explaining the truths that are in God's word But make no mistake, if you read your Bible, you will not fail to come across regeneration. And you will not fail to come across justification. The apostle talks of these things. So let us explain these two things, lest you you be like these Christians that I'm talking about. What is the meaning of justified? The apostle says there, so that being justified, what does that word mean? To be justified means to be declared righteous. It means to be declared righteous. God does not make us righteous in justification. He doesn't make us righteous. He declares us righteous. He counts us righteous. So that Abraham was was not righteous in and of himself. God counted righteousness to him because of the faith that he had in him. So that when we say that we are justified what we mean is that God now sees us as righteous it's not that we become righteous by a magical uh, activity no, God sees us as righteous Hmm? but then how, how does this happen you ask how and I respond by imputing upon upon us the righteousness of another So how does God count us righteous? How does he declare us righteous? While we are guilty sinners, he does this by imputing upon us the righteousness of another, even the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when we put our trust in him, he justifies us. He he declares us righteous. He counts us righteous. William Hendrickson says here, quote, justification is that act of God the Father whereby he counts our sins to be Christ's and Christ's righteousness to be ours. quote. You see there that God the Father takes our sins and places them upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he takes the righteousness of Christ and places it upon us when we put our trust in him. You know that text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21? He made him who knew no sin to become sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. John Gill says here, Justification is an act of God's gracious will conceived in his mind from eternity by which he wills not to impute sin to his people but to Christ their surety and that they should be accounted righteous through the righteousness of his Son In which act of his will, the whole essence of justification in his sight lies. This was pronounced on Christ as their head and representative at his resurrection, when he, as such, was justified, acquitted, and discharged, and they in him. And this is declared in the conscience of a sinner by the Spirit of God at his regeneration when he passes from death to life. End quote. So justification is that act of God where He declares the sinner to be righteous because the sinner has placed his faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what the apostle is saying there. So that being justified, being declared righteous. Now, when we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to all who are in Christ Jesus, what we are to hear, or what we ought to hear, is that we are justified. We are justified there is therefore now no condemnation to for those who are in Christ Jesus we are justified because in a very real sense justification is the opposite of condemnation so when when we are justified we are not condemned and when we are condemned we are not justified the Apostle Paul says still in Romans chapter 8 now in verse 33 and 34 who shall bring any charge against God's elect that's what he asks it is God who justifies who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised so that no one can condemn those people whom God has justified whom God has declared righteous because they have placed their faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ that curse which God has placed upon sinners that wrath that hangs upon them he has lifted it by justifying those who have faith in his son in Romans chapter 3 verse 21 to 26 we read but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe you hear you hear that idea of righteousness for there is no distinction and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So you hear that when we have faith, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, when we trust upon Him, God justifies us. And God justifies us because He is the just one. He is just by by placing all His wrath on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that he not only lives the perfect life, but he takes the wrath of God upon himself so that we who are sinners, when we place our faith in him, can now be justified by God through him. That's what the apostle is saying here. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God has justified us. or perhaps, perhaps I should ask you, has God justified you? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you washed in his blood? Are you depending on him alone who is able to save you? Him alone who is able to grant you justification by his sinless life and by his propitiating death, his atoning death on the cross. Number two, what is the meaning of grace? What's the meaning of grace? So we've asked what's the meaning of justified and we've We've answered that. What's the meaning of grace? So says, so that being justified by his grace. Now before we explain what grace is, I'd like you to notice that justification or being justified comes to you, to the sinner, by the grace of God. We are justified by grace. And when we, when we know that we are justified by grace, now when we understand the meaning of grace, we know what God has done grace has been famously defined as unmerited favor simply means being given that which we don't deserve that's what grace is so when God displays grace to sinners he is giving or he is showing them favor while they don't deserve it that's what grace is God shows favor to you when you don't deserve it they don't deserve the things mentioned above there And what are the things mentioned above there? His goodness and loving kindness. His mercy. On the contrary, they deserve wrath. They deserve to be hated. They deserve to be punished. And if you're a Christian here, you understand that completely. You understand that you deserved the wrath of God. You are children of wrath. You understand that you deserve to be hated. Uh, uh, What does every sin deserve? Every sin deserves God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. That's what we deserve. If you're a Christian here, you you understand that you deserved to be punished. But then when we talk of grace, when we say that God is gracious or that we were justified by grace, we're saying that God has given us, God has favored us. He has given us this that we call justification, being declared righteous freely out of his favor in an unmerited fashion if you will so consequently when God displays grace what it means is that it is a gift and the Bible calls it a gift so then it is freely given, you can't earn it when we, when we are talking of grace we are not talking of something that you can earn something that you can do something to receive therefore the apostle saying that we have, we have been justified by his grace he say that, He's saying that justification is not a thing that we work for It's a thing that God grants freely out of his favor by his grace. Whatever God gives in his displaying grace to sinners is unmerited. They do not deserve it. They cannot earn it. That's what grace is. And then it it, it also means that you are not in debt. When God displays grace when he gives you that which you do not deserve it's, it's not like a loan. He's not lending you money that you may give him back when God displays his grace upon wretched sinners like you and I he does not expect anything from us back God's grace is free so then when the apostle says so that being justified by his grace now the meaning of the full phrase he's basically saying that God out of his goodness and loving kindness God out of his mercy grants favor to the undeserving by counting them righteous in christ see that phrase there so that being justified by his grace the apostle is saying that god he has goodness he has loving kindness he has mercy and because of those things he grants favor to the sinners those that are undeserving by counting them righteous in christ So that being justified by His grace means that God the Father declares or counts righteous freely by His grace alone, in Christ alone, those whom the Holy Spirit regenerates. He declares them righteous. The point here is that those that have been saved by God, He justifies them. He justifies them by Christ's righteousness. Those that have been saved by God, He justifies them by Christ's righteousness and he does this by his grace he does this freely he does this by giving them unmerited favor god enables them to trust christ who has the righteousness which he accepts so that when he regenerates he grants the ability to go to christ to respond to the gospel the apostle has just said there in verse 5 that it is god who saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness thus then justification yeah, the justification that he now speaks of can only be by the grace of god if it's not because of works done by us in righteousness being justified or declared righteous can only be by his grace it can only be given freely by god graciously brothers and sisters, justification is by God's grace. God justifies by His grace. God is good, my friends. God is kind. All of us who are saved, God has done it by His grace. He has declared us righteous for everyone we saved here. He has justified us by His grace, freely and immutably. He has done this freely And he has done this in an unchanging way, even an unchangeable fashion. No one can take it from you. If you're justified here this afternoon, no one can take it from you. It's God who has done it. No one can condemn you. You are righteous in his sight on the account of Christ, you are righteous. So you see, when, when, we, when we say that we are righteous as Christians, we're not saying that we have, we have worked ourselves up to become righteous. We have done so many good things that God has now accepted us. No, no, not quite. We're saying that we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And when we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, God has given us the righteousness of another. He has imputed upon us the righteousness of Christ. Listen to this. who is at the right hand of God, who who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what the Apostle says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 39. Oh, praise the Lord that He has justified us by His grace, He declares us righteous when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And this he does graciously. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, so that no one may boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. I want to finish this point by the words of Charles Spurgeon. For this text, Spurgeon says, quote, This day we are just in the sight of God in Christ's righteousness through which we are justified by grace. Jehovah sees no sin for which he must punish us. He has said, take away his filthy garments from him and set a fair mitre upon his head. And this is done. We are accepted in the beloved, since Jesus has washed our feet. We are clean every whit, clean in the double sense of being washed with water and with blood, and so cleansed from the power and guilt of sin. And then he finishes by asking, "What a high privilege is this! Can we ever sufficiently praise God for it?" And quote. See my my brothers and sisters. Justification is by the grace of God. Those of us who will inherit eternal life, those of us whom the Lord looks and counts righteous, is by His grace. It cannot be earned. You cannot work your, work your way up to be righteous. You cannot be righteous enough. God must graciously declare you righteous. If you want to work your way up to God, you will fail you go to hell. But oh, what amazing grace. How sweet this sound. That God saves wretched sinners like we. That once we were blind, but now we see. Once we were lost, but now we have been found. We have been found by him who is the love of our souls. Justification, my friends, is by the grace of God. God does this freely. Out of his mere good pleasure, he saves us the responsibility of you and I is to plead with God to save us plead with God make me righteous make me righteous on the account of the righteous one that's what the Lord Jesus Christ was called when he was here the righteous one they slayed the righteous one they took him who who never sinned and it's not only that he did not sin it's also that he kept the whole law last then he was righteous which, uh, uh, that thing which the theologians call active and passive obedience of Jesus Christ he did everything in the law of God he kept away from evil and sin and then he, he was punished on behalf of sinners because of that then he is the righteous one and his righteousness is counted on all who put their trust and faith in him what amazing grace what amazing grace number two and lastly Justification by grace grants heirship. Justification by grace grants heirship. Look with me at verse 7 again. We are told so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The apostle says that this being justified by his grace is so that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And the point is that God justifies the sinner and the moment God justifies the sinner, the sinner becomes an heir according to the hope of eternal life. The moment God justifies you, you become his child. You're adopted into his family. The word heir there presupposes adoption. So, so I'm not I'm not not importing a, a doctrine that is not here in the text. When the apostle says we become heirs, that word heir there presupposes the idea of adoption. Because we are not heirs of God like the Lord Jesus Christ. We are heirs by being adopted into the family of God. That God takes us in as his children. And thus then we become his sons. And therefore... What it means to be be an heir is that we inherit the privileges of the kingdom of Christ. We inherit the privileges of the kingdom of Christ. We become possessors of Christ himself. That which belongs to Christ belongs to us now because we are heirs of God. The present condition of those who have been saved, those who have been regenerated, those who have been justified by the grace of God Is that we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life we get heirship it's not only that we have sonship it's also that we have heirship we are inheritors so the apostle is not so much concerned with the future of christians but that having been justified by grace even the grace of god they now have eternal life now they now have it they become heirs now, they may, they may not possess it presently because we still are in this world, but it is, it is ours in hope. Isn't that what he says? We become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When God justifies you, you become an heir according to the hope of eternal life. Meaning that you become a child of God and thus you have the right to, quote, look forward to the full possession of that which we now possess only in principle, says William Hendrickson. When God justifies you, he gives you sonship, but he also gives you heirship. He gives you adoption and thus then you have an inheritance. When you, when, you be, when you become an heir, you become an inheritor. You have an inheritance. You have hope. And that hope is spoken of in chapter 1. Go with me to Titus 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness. Verse 2 in hope of eternal life which God who never lies promised before the ages began God has promised his people eternal life he did this before the ages began and now they can have full assurance they can have hope that God is going to grant them eternal life this inheritance is sure it is granted it is there It is sure because God the Holy Spirit does not only regenerate he also seals us he is also the seal he is the guarantee of our inheritance isn't that what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 through to verse 14 that the Holy Spirit not only seals us he is also the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory Dear saints, we will have eternal life because we already have it. We have it right now by the virtue of being in Jesus Christ. We are justified by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That which now is but hope will come to fruition. It is coming to fruition, my friends. And oh, what a joy it will be. What a joy it will be. Surely the things which God has prepared for his people have been seen by no eye. They have been heard by no ear. You see, when the apostle says there that so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What he's saying is this those who are justified are justified by grace and when they are justified by the grace of God they become heirs they become heirs and this becoming heirs is real and sure because God places hope in their hearts hope according to eternal life see there my people that we ourselves were once foolish disobedient led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy hated by others and hating one another and now the apostle says that we have been regenerated and justified by the grace of god so that we may become heirs according to the hope of eternal life who else could do this but god my friends could you move yourself from hell to heaven Could you move yourself from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son? Could you move yourself from death to life eternal? Could you? None of us could do this. No, not one. God does it all. God saves all his people. Jesus Christ is is Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He saves all of them. None of them will be snatched from his hand. Indeed, none of them will be snatched from the Father's hand. God does it all. Through the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, regeneration is wrought in your heart. It's wrought in your heart heart by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, through the goodness, through the loving kindness, through the mercies of God the Father. Praise be to God, my friends. Praise be to God for what He, he has done. Now, as I finish, I'd like you to notice um, that the order of salvation is given in the intricacies of this passage. Uh, notice there, lastly, as we, as we finish this section, that The order of salvation has been given in the. The order of salvation is interwoven in this passage. We have seen that God the Father chooses a people for himself, God the Son dies for these people, and God the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews them, producing fruit in them. But then, the order of salvation is given in the fact that God having chosen us he saves us he regenerates us by his spirit he justifies us by his grace he sanctifies us he renews us by his spirit he adopts us by having us as heirs and glorifies us because he has given his people hope for eternal life so that in this passage alone you have regeneration you have justification You have adoption, you have sanctification, and you have glorification. And that's the order of salvation. God, the Holy Spirit, regenerates all whom the Father has chosen for himself. Through the triune God, justification is wrought in the hearts of sinners. God, the Father, adopts us into his family. God, the Holy Spirit, um, um, sanctifies us. And then he will come back for us. Granting us glorification. He will take us home. Praise God for his saving work, friends. Justification by grace that we are talking about here grants heirship. We are now heirs to the things of God. Even the kingdom of Christ. Now, if there may be anyone here who is not a Christian... I'm calling you to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just see the blessings that God has laid for us in His Word. That God freely gives righteousness. He declares sinners righteous on the account of His Son, whom He has already given. And Christ has come to this world. He has obeyed the whole law of God. He has kept away from sin, having been tempted like us. He never sinned. He has gone to the cross, taken the death of sinners. He has died upon the cross. He rose again on the third day. He ascended to His Father. He is reigning from heaven above. And all who come to Him now are saved. And the Bible tells us that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we may may be saved apart from the name of Jesus Christ. And if we put our trust in Jesus Christ, God grants us all these other blessings. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Him with every spiritual blessing. He has given us regeneration. He has given us justification. He has given us adoption, sanctification, glorification, all of them in His Son by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you don't accept these things, I dare ask you, what are you doing? I dare ask, what is wrong with you? If you don't believe these things, what else do you want to believe? What other truth is there than this that God has given us in His Word? Let's make some three applications there and finish. Number one, praise God for justification. Praise God for justification by grace through Christ. Our hearts should burst out with praise unto God, the Almighty, the King of creation, Him who is our health and salvation. Our hearts should burst forth in praise to God because He has justified us by His grace freely, freely. He declares those who have faith in Jesus righteous. Number two, There is no room for pride for all who are justified by God's grace. Is there any room for pride? Having seen that God the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates, we are not saved by any goodness in us. We are not saved by anything that we do. We are not saved by keeping the law of God, keeping all the commandments. We are saved by the grace of God. We are saved by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. God saved us out of His goodness and loving kindness and mercy. Is there any room for pride? There is no room for pride for all who are justified by grace. So when you look at the authorities, the rulers, and those who who are around us, we understand when the apostle says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, because they have been saved by grace. God has shown his goodness upon them. When he says, speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, show perfect courtesy toward all people, he's saying, you have been saved by grace. This is the least that you can do. There is no room for pride for all who are justified by God's grace. And then lastly, trust God that he will grant that eternal life that he has promised. Trust God that he will grant that eternal life that he has promised. of the one of the reasons that explain why we live the way we live how we live the way we live in this world is our view of eternity are we sure that christ is coming back are we sure that there is eternal life to begin with if the word of god is true then we are sure then we should trust god that he will grant that eternal life that he has promised. Or perhaps I should say, because the word of God is true, then we are sure. And that's then, the proper response there is trusting God. God who has promised that he will grant eternal life. God who has actually told us that if we believe upon Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Not will have, but they have eternal life. It's only that we are on this side of eternity. Eternal life is ours. Trust God that He's going to come back for you. He's going to make all things new. He's going to lay aside all those sins and sicknesses and pains and sufferings. God is going to do it. And this trust upon God my brothers and sisters, helps us to live. Helps us to live the way God wants us to live. I'd like to finish with his words here in chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works Let's pray We thank you Father that We get to be reminded that justification is by your grace and the the justification by grace grants heirship. We become heirs of God. We are adopted into your family and we have an inheritance. We inherit eternal life. Lord, we thank you for you've blessed us with these things which angels long to look into. We pray that you may be merciful to implant them in our hearts having given them to our minds. Please convert the knowledge that we get in our heads into heart knowledge. Help us. Help us to trust you for eternity. Help us to be kept from pride. And help us to be filled with praise that our hearts will be overflowing with praise and thanksgivings because of what you have done for us, justifying us by your grace, granting us airship, according to the hope of eternal life. Please, Lord, bless these things to our hearts. Hear us, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.